With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There's a time and a place for black and white. Like when you're learning to play piano. Or when you want a big two-toned cookie. Or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white. So go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing. From banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. What's up, everybody? This is WCD Radio of Windy City Grid Irons, the, the Bears website of SB Nation. With you, as always, your host, Robert Siglinski. And tonight, I am pleased to be joined by EJ Schneider, our resident draft Nick. Uh, he's been making the rounds on podcasts a lot lately with Lester. And this is the first time we're, we're really, ha- really happy to have him on WCG Radio. EJ, what's up, man? Hey, Robert. Thanks so much for having me. My uh, my inaugural debut here. Pretty happy about it. And we get to talk some Bears and some Steelers, which is fun stuff. Hey, sports fans. Football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event. 
even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Yeah, you just mentioned that. We get to preview Bears-Steelers this Sunday, and we're pleased to have the editor of Behind the Steel Curtain, the Steelers website of SB Nation, Jeff Hartman, joining us. Jeff, what is up, man? Hey, guys. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Anytime. Let's just uh, – we're doing well, too. Yeah, anytime. Uh, let's jump right into um, – let's preview the game, essentially. So all the pieces are back in place for the Steelers. Let's try to take that perspective look. Uh, Martavis Bryant's back. Um, you're already two and two, two and zero. So the wins haven't been pretty, but the wins are wins. Um, for your overall take on this team, what stands in the Steelers' way of making a Super Bowl run with this core? Uh, I, I think the obvious answer for any NFL team that considers themselves to be a contender would be health. Um, they're not going to be able to withstand an injury to someone like Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, but like you said, everyone's back. Everyone's healthy right now, um, and. Although they're still working out the kinks, Le'Veon Bell, you know, sitting out of all the preseason certainly um, doesn't help matters in terms of his. He definitely shows some rust. Martavis Bryant sitting out having the suspension for all of 2016 is certainly shown in the preseason. But ultimately, this offense is just getting started. Um, I think they're going to be hitting their stride hopefully around midseason. The defense looks really young and really athletic, so it's it's going to be a fun thing to watch. The Steelers should be in the in the mix when all is said and done. EJ, you want to take two? Let's alternate. Hello? Oh, you were cutting out a little bit there. Yeah, so it looks like TJ Watt's been excellent. Uh, certainly a little bit better than I think a lot of people predicted. Uh, Shazier's another year older, wiser. Um, how's the defense evolved and improved? You talked about it being really athletic. And uh, when, if ever, are they going to get back to those great Pitt- Pittsburgh standards of defense? Uh, I don't know if if this defense is going to be the same defense, even as those great defenses in the 2000s, when you think of Casey, Ham- <laughs> Casey Hampton and Troy Palomalu and uh, James Harrison and Lamar Woodley, they're just a different style. They're more based around sub packages. They don't run their standard three, four as much as they used to. And, you know, TJ Watt, it kind of uh, exemplifies what the change has been. No longer do you have the big burly outside linebackers. You have the linebackers that can run sideline to sideline that are very athletic, that test really well in terms of spark and uh, throughout the combine. And when you have that, you have players that are versatile. Uh, they can drop into coverage, and, and you've seen that with Watt already. He's been able to cover tight ends, even some slot receivers from time to time in his zones. Um, it's a very dynamic defense, not so much from a standpoint that they're going to line up and just knock your block off, which used to be the calling card of the Steelers' defense, but more so on the fact that they they can out-scheme you now. Uh, they can definitely throw in some man coverage schemes, especially with the acquisition of Joe Hayden. Um, and so he and Artie Burns are an upgrade at their cornerback, which has normally been a weakness for them. I just think that this Steelers defense is just, if I could say one word, it's just athletic. You look at Bud Dupree, that's another guy that when, when it came to the combine, just tested out of his mind. He was raw. He, everyone knew that. And he's just now finally starting to come into his own. Um, Shazier is probably the fastest inside linebacker in the NFL. Uh, I think that they just bring a different level of athleticism that most defenses aren't 
being able to match so far at, at this point in the NFL season. So to you, they're more – they're not to those 2000 standards, but they're more elites based off of 2017. Is the, I, I think that's the gist we got there. I'm not going to say they're elite. They're improving. I would say that they're going to be. They're a good defense, and let, let's be honest. I mean, if you're going to say any part of this Steelers team is great, it's going to be the offensive side of the football. But in terms of the defensive side, I think they were good last year. They, they could be ver on the verge of great, uh, but definitely not elite. I mean, if this defense finishes just in the top ten, even if it's in the back end of the top ten, I think that they're good enough to possibly win a Super Bowl. Um, they don't need that number one overall defense anymore, like they did in the. 2000s when the script was flipped when the offense was horrible and they didn't have as many playmakers and the offensive line couldn't keep Ben Roethlisberger Ben Roethlisberger upright for more than five plays it seemed and now it's kind of the the, the script is the Steelers have been dumping a ton of draft picks into their defense and it's just about time that they start to actually kind of reap those benefits so we just we just mentioned the offense it's only been two games but they haven't necessarily been lighting it up. Only 15th in total offense. The running game in particular, I think it's, I'm just looking at it right now, 27th in the league. So um, Le'Veon Bell hasn't gotten rolling yet. Um, what's kind of the concern? What, what's what's going on so far? I, I think there is concern. I, week two's performance by Le'Veon Bell was definitely a step in the right direction, uh, but it's still not where it should be. I, I think that the concern for, for me especially is something doesn't look right uh, and the offensive line in the past has talked about how preparing for Le'Veon Bell being behind you and running the football is so different than other running backs. And they had this conversation when D'Angelo Williams was on the team. Uh, and so when the all preseason, when the offensive line's working, they have guys like James Conner and Terrell Watson and uh, even Niall Davis and Fitzgerald Toussaint before they were cut. Um, they're straight, they're straight line runners. You know, they're going to hit the hole and they're just going to try to go downhill and we all know about Le'Veon Bell's patience. We know how he's just a different runner. It's going to take some time for the offensive line to gel. It's going to take time for Le'Veon Bell to get his legs underneath him again. Like I said, week two was a step in the right direction, but they do need to run the ball better. Uh, they, they need to be more efficient. The offensive line needs to get more push. Um, and that comes down to a lot of different factors. But I think Le'Veon Bell's going to be okay. And I think the offensive line, if they can stay healthy, all five of those are very, it's a very good line. I think that they'll be able to run the ball. And let's let's give credit to the two defenses they played too. Greg Williams was very aggressive in stopping the run in week one. And then the Minnesota Vikings defense is no slouch. I'm not saying they're the best in the league, but they're, they're a pretty solid defense. So um, the Steelers are, are moving in the right direction, I feel. Yeah, I had a question for you about offensive line, uh, and it's a little Pittsburgh Steelers-Bears tie-in. Allie Villanueva, who actually had a tryout with the Bears as a tight end, not a lineman, uh, looked like he had a rough week last week. Um, how do you feel about him holding up against guys like Leonard Floyd? Well, uh, you know, if you're going to pick out a weak spot, it's going to be that left tackle position. Um, really, other than Villanueva, they're their offensive line's loaded with first and second round draft picks, Pouncey, DeCastro, Gilbert. Um, I think the Villanueva, see, he did not play well. He was actually replaced at points in the game with Chris Hubbard, their flex tackle at backup. Um, but it turns out he was sick, and that's something Mike Tomlin oh, talked okay. about after the game, that he had, I guess there's a flu going around the Steelers' locker room, and he was sick leading up to the game. I don't know if I'm technically buying that, or maybe it's a coach protecting <laughs> his left tackle that just got a big contract before the season. Either way, uh, it's going to have to be better because they, they, they need – him to be that solid blindside protection for Ben Roethlisberger. And Roethlisberger, although he only got sacked twice last week, he was hit, and they got to him. So, uh, yeah, definitely some concern there. 
Well, it's a perfect segue. Ben had a, a real up and down year last year, inconsistency, some injuries. I think everybody's agreeing that he's sort of coming to the end of the string, but what makes you think he can get past those limitations as he enters those last couple of years and really make that last push? It's all about the offensive line keeping him healthy. And, and the crazy thing is, is in the past two years, you look at the injuries he's sustained, and they've been fluke injuries. Uh, last year in Miami, um, it just seemed like, you know, a regular routine. He's trying to get out of the pocket. Guy kind of hits his leg into the other leg, and he ends up, you know, bone bruised and spraining his MCL. Just insane, fluky injuries. I, I don't know if that means that anything about I mean, his body's been through a lot. That guy's been beat to hell more than once in his career. He's been in the league for a long time. He's logged a lot of miles. Um, if they can keep him clean and give him pockets and give him time, he can still throw the ball with the best of them. I mean, he's not Tom Brady efficient. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He has his own unique style, but it's very successful. Uh, but it's going to come down to the offensive line and the running game keeping him clean because when Le'Veon Bell's running the ball well and he doesn't have to throw the ball 35 times a game, it's a recipe for success all across the board. What are some top matchups to watch out for Sunday for the Bears? Who's kind of that underrated name that people might not know about nationally on either side of the ball for Pittsburgh? Okay, uh, th this so, is a, that's a common yeah. question. That's a common question. Uh, so on offense, everyone knows the, the killer bees as they're known now with Brian <laughs> Bell and all those guys. Um, I would say that a lot of times it, there's two players that have been ignored offensively, and it's because of the other players, and it's the slot receiver named Eli Rogers, and you could also substitute Juju Smith-Schuster there too because what happened, I mean, there's so much attention being given to Martavis Bryant and Antonio Brown on the outside, and then you think about Le'Veon Bell and even his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. It draws a lot of attention. Uh, and then on top of that, you have Jesse James. So I'd say those three players, the tight end Jesse James, I mean, there were a couple times against Minnesota where – and Minnesota literally for just forgot to cover Jesse James, and it didn't always mean the big yards. It didn't always get, you know, connection because Roethlisberger might have found another target elsewhere. But Eli Rogers, Juju Smith-Schuster, who's an improving second-round pick, a rookie from USC, and um, Jesse James would definitely be the offensive guys that I would pick. That maybe you know the common fan, the NFL fan, doesn't know those players on defense. The the one guy that I love watching is second-year. Uh, nose tackle Javon Hargrave. Um, he kind of completes the defensive front of their 3-4 defense. You have Cameron Hayward. You got Stefan Tuitt. Those are big-name players. Most people know who they are. But you got this guy, Javon Hargrave, right in the center, and he is a unique style of nose tackle. Uh, it's kind of like Geno Atkins is probably the one uh, similar player that I would kind of compare him to from the Cincinnati Bengals. He can get pressure on the quarterback. He stops the run. He's always pushing centers back and collapsing the interior pocket. Uh, fun to watch. So th that, that would be the defensive player that I would probably give you. Uh, if you wanted another one, I'd say Vince Williams. He's a, the guy that stands next to Ryan Shazier. We know Shazier, his athleticism, his speed. He's a dynamic player. But Vince Williams is just one of those downhill hits you in the face. He's a guy that reminds me of those early 2000 defensive players where he's a, your atypical Steeler linebacker. He's just hard-nosed, and he's not going to lose too many battles if he gets you square up in the hole. So I'd say those guys um, are probably the lesser-known players, yet still are playmakers for the Steelers. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah, Hargrave was a guy when I scouted him. It was, like you said, unique player, highly athletic, a uh, little bit raw. It definitely looks like the Pittsburgh coaching staff has has found a groove with him, and he's, he's bringing a lot of pressure. Uh, one of the guys on defense that a lot of people haven't heard of that has been surprising me is Mike Hilton, the defensive back. Mm -hmm. What do you have on him? 
It's, it's funny. Uh, Steeler fans joke about it because he was actually teammates with Sanquez Golson, and Sanquez Golson was <laughs> their second-round draft pick that literally never even saw a preseason snap due to being injured every single season. And here comes Mike Hilton, who spent some time on some practice squads last year, and here he is. He's the, the, he's their nickel cornerback. He's their first cornerback off the bench, and he's playing really really good football. Um, he's a big contributor on special teams. He's very crafty in the, in the slot and protecting this and covering the slot wide receivers. But I think his biggest attribute, they've used him uh, more than on one occasion in the regular season. He's a phenomenal blitzer. He disguises the blitz. Well, he knows how to approach the quarterback. He is a very good blitzer and he and Joe Hayden have both been blitzing a lot, especially from the left side. So, uh, Maybe keep your eye out for that. If you see Hilton sneaking towards the line of scrimmage, there's a good chance they're going to bring heat with him. But he's he stepped up. It's weird because you really don't see these training camp phenom guys. Sometimes they make the 53-man roster, and I don't know if the Bears are the same way with the Steelers, but the Steelers fans fall in love with these players. And then same way. They don't make They don't make the team or they, they make the practice squad, and people are always clamoring for them to be, you know, oh, don't, don't you remember how great this guy was in the preseason? Well, Mike Hilton was that guy. But he's actually performing for the the, the starting defense, the fifty three man roster. It's pretty cool to see. Uh, he's a guy that definitely seems humble and appreciates it. So um, I like Mike Hilton a lot. I liked him all all training camp and all preseason, and he's performing well. So hopefully that keeps up. But watch out for that blitzing uh, off the left side between Hayden and Hilton. Yeah, he he looks like he's playing really well, and it's always great to. It's just a great story when guys like that come through, and you know him being a teammate of a higher round draft pick is always fun too. So. <laughs> Um, how do you think the Bears can attack the Steelers? What's the biggest mismatch you think the, the Bears could exploit if they were able? Aside from Villanueva, aside from Villanueva since we already touched on that. <laughs> okay, no, that's fine. Um, I, you really have to sell out one way or the other if you're going to try to slow down Pittsburgh. And the majority of, of defenses, and you can go back to even Belichick, and, and as if he's the ultimate schemer in the NFL, they always choose to take out Le'Veon Bell. And that's rightfully so that especially on the road with Ben Roethlisberger he is not the same quarterback when he's away from Heinz Field so I mean if I'm scheming up a plan and I'm the Chicago Bears I'm selling out to stop the run I'm making sure they don't get in any rhythm you want to put them in predictable passing situations now you're also playing with fire because if you load the box and you're going to leave Antonio Brown or Martavis Bryant with single coverage deep you know look what Minnesota did Ben Roethlisberger threw it deep early and often, and sometimes it was to draw a defensive pass interference call because they're going to get by you. I mean, they, these are elite athletes that are on the outside for the Steelers, but you, you kind of have to pick your poison. And that's, as a Steeler fan, it's the beauty of the Steelers' offense is that it's very difficult to be able to play too deep and then also stop the run. If you have a defensive front that's good enough to do that, a front seven that can stop the run and Le'Veon Bell, then you're going to have the best success possible. But if I were the defense, I'd say sell out to stop the run, force Roethlisberger to throw the ball more than he wants to, and uh, do your best to try to protect in the back end. Yeah, I think the Bears can do the first part. I think they can play the run really well. They're underrated there, but I'm not I'm not at all confident we've got athletes to match up on the outside one-on-one yeah, versus those guys. Brian and Brown. and Yeah. That, that part doesn't look good. So part one, yes. Part two, eh, don't think so. Well, yeah, because I mean the Vikings, uh, they they kind of did. They sold out to stop the run, and, and Le'Veon Bell still had eighty-seven yards on the ground. I mean, it wasn't a mind-boggling day statistically, but he did enough to kind of keep them, you know, respecting the run. And 
there were so many times if you watch the film of that game um, where Roethlisberger literally just he got the ball one two three and he was just chucking it deep because he saw before the snap even came single high looks they were loading the box and he saw a one-on-one matchup on one of the other sides and he knew that that's exactly what he's going to do so um yeah, it, it's it's really difficult, and a lot of people ask me that all the time through the preseason and, and the, all the way through the regular season is how can the Steelers' offense be stopped? And you either hope for mistakes or you just hope that the best happens in, in certain situations because they are, they're very versatile. I'll put it that way. All right, and a little fun question because I, I thought of this on the fly um, because he's kind of, to me, EJ and I are going to touch on this later uh, once, we, once, we, once we, yeah, we don't have you. Uh, Zach Miller, I think he's a really good weapon for a team for a team with a good quarterback as like a receiver, split out tight end, that kind of facet. What would you say if say the Bears proposed a fifth or sixth rounder for Miller? So how how big of a need would a tight end be, or how how could he help you in that respect? Would you take that deal? Um, I, I well, let's let me put it this way: before the season started, they traded with San Francisco to get Vance McDonald. Um, if they had. <laughs> yeah. if, yeah, so I mean, it's still a need, I guess. But um, I, I think if you were to propose the trade to me then, and without knowing of that trade, I would have taken that trade. Uh, now, I the, the tight end position in the Steelers' offense is is not as big as it used to be. I mean, Heath Miller was a tremendous blocker. They don't have one of those really athletic, you know, guys that's more of a receiver. Jesse James kind of fits that dual positional uh, need for them. They have Xavier Grimble. They have McDonald. I think they're pretty much set at tight end. Um, plus, they've made a ton of trades, and they've gotten rid of a lot of draft picks. I don't think you're going to see any acquisitions. But it, Miller is, a, is an interesting prospect, and someone I actually thought that they might make a move for. And he might have been, to be honest with you, because they were definitely shopping for a tight end, and they ended with McDonald. So um, we'll see. Well, I, that, that's definitely uh, intriguing. But I don't think after the McDonald acquisition they would make that move. Fair enough. I was just trying to look for some kind of bright side. I was, I was hoping you'd say yes. I was hoping. <laughs> All right, Jeff. Um, so the Steelers haven't won in Chicago in 22 years. I'm assuming you're going to make the pick that they, that they break that, uh, that they get off the schneid on Sunday. Yeah, I, I do think they win, but I don't think it's going to be, I mean, some fans are thinking it's going to be a blowout. I mean, would I be stunned if it was a blowout? No. Am I predicting a blowout? No, I'm not. Um, Mike Lennon has beaten the Steelers before in Heinz Field when he was with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, if he's playing, which obviously your head coach said he is, um, fortunately, I, I, yeah. So I, I definitely think the Steelers win. I think it's going to be closer, especially in the first half, than most are expecting. I mean, the Chicago Bears are the Bears. I mean, they have a it's a prideful organization. You know, they're not just going to fold. Uh, it's also only week three. Um, I like the fact that they're playing in Chicago early in the season, so you avoid some of that cold wind and all that garbage that normally flies around there. And um, I'm going to say Pittsburgh wins this game by a final score of 31-17. to 17. I think it's going to be close for the first half, and then I think in the second half maybe a turnover, a sack fumble, uh, a big play swings the tide, and then it kind of just goes away from there. But that's my prediction, guys. Awesome. Cool. Any, any chance they play down because Baltimore is coming up next week? You know, it, there's always that possibility. Mike Tomlin has lost to a team in the last, I think, four seasons that they have been favored by more than a touchdown. They've lost those games. And the early odds were Pittsburgh giving eight. They're on the road. They don't play as well on the road as they do at home. There is, there is, yeah, there's a chance that they play down, especially with the Ravens looming. Um, 
do I think it happens? I don't know. I think this team might be a little bit too mentally tough, especially early in the season for that to happen. Um, and especially because they haven't been playing well. Um, if you look at their games the last two weeks, there's a lot to improve on. I think if they would have blown out the Browns and the Vikings and then they're kind of on their high horse, it would have been easier to think of a letdown game. But um, I trust the coaching staff to keep them focused. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When it rains, hit the lathes. Experience the best in weatherproof fun at Bolero. Bowl, play games, and treat your taste buds to Bolero's signature menu. Don't get wet, go bowling. Visit Bolero.com for hours and weekly specials. He is the editor of Behind the Steel Curtain, the Steelers website for SB Nation. He's Jeff Hartman. You can follow him on Twitter at BNG Blitz. A lot of great work over there. Uh, a lot of great analysis on the Steelers, so you can keep up on that and on all your Pittsburgh news. Jeff, thanks for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Have a good one. You too. All right, EJ. So let's get into the nitty-gritty Bears stuff. We, we did all we talked about the fun team. So let's uh, let's jump back into Mike Glennon and Mitch Trubisky. All right. So quick recap: uh, Bears blown out by Tampa Bay, twenty-nine to seven. Listless first half. Uh, four first half turnovers, three of which by Glennon. Um, let's generally try to make sense of this. John Fox has already named Glennon the starter against Pittsburgh. That's tentative. Uh, that could be tentative. We don't know yet, but he named him immediate. He named the starter immediately yesterday. Uh, your initial thoughts on this? I mean, the the tension just rises each week at, at this point. It, it's almost like beating a dead horse. No, I I'd, I'd agree. I think. You know, I share uh, a lot of the consternation of Bears fans with looking at what looks like a no-win situation and just marching ahead straight into the wall. Um, I, like you, have been trying to find the reason why that might happen, anything that might validate that decision. And the only thing I can think of, and I, you know, I'm not backing this this play by any means, is. Pace knows, and I, I think Fox knows, but certainly Ryan Pace knows, and he's ultimately probably calling the shots here, that once you make the switch, that's it. You can't go back. You can't put Trubisky in and then have him play like garbage for a couple of games if that happens and then say, oh, yeah, Mike Glennon, he's better. Like once you bench Glennon for Trubisky, that's it. You are on the young quarterback path, and you are just riding that horse out. So I think he's going to make darn sure that everybody in the world thinks it's the best decision. I'm not sure that we're not there already. Um, but I think he's going to grind it in for a couple of more games and everybody's going to see that there's just kind of no hope. And at that point, it's a lot easier to say, okay, we're just, we're on this wagon for the rest of the season. Other than that, I can't see an upside. Yeah. The, the logic in that though, like why, what's the point in going back to Glenn? If, if Trubisky's making mistakes if he's not playing well he's a rookie he's taking lumps right he's learning at best you're you don't have to go back to Glennon because Trubisky's been so bad you're playing your young guy you're letting him, yeah. you're letting him learn I totally agree if if it was my call you know Trubisky starts over Pittsburgh absolutely like without question if if Glennon had played 
football. Um, you know, maybe there's a, a lifeline for a week or two, but he has played so far below average football that the argument goes, hey, could Trubisky possibly be any worse? And I, I just don't think he can. Yeah. Have you looked at anything? What's, what's to you has been his biggest struggle, his biggest concern, why Glennon's been so bad? It's not that this, his play has been surprising. I think most people um, – had maybe optimism that he'd play better uh, than than his past history, but this is kind of what m- many expected. What have you seen that, that that's been like the most concerning? My fundamental concern with Glennon is he doesn't process fast. He processes a tick slow, and that might not seem like a big deal. You know, he's got experience. He's got a you know good frame. He can see over the line. He can certainly throw the ball, uh, but he's just a half tick slow. And that means that open throws become contested throws. Um, You know, clean pockets become dirty pockets, uh, dirty pockets become sacks. It's just that half tick. And I don't know what you do for that. If a guy has as much experience playing football as Mike Lennon does, and he's still that way, the game's not going to slow down for him a whole lot more. That jump happens between, you know, year one and year two or year two and year three. Glennon's well past that, and he's still acting like that. He's still playing like that. There's no turnaround from that. He's going to be slow, and the Bears aren't perfect, and he needs the Bears to be perfect to play well. And let's face it, they're not that talented. That's not going to happen. Andrew Link brought this up. I thought it was interesting. I haven't actually looked into it. I'm not sure how easy this would be to prove. But could his general slow movement perhaps be affecting the running game and the timing for like the offensive line and Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen? Because that they haven't been able to get that going, obviously. I think that's a terribly underrated point. And when it really came into play was, uh, you know, uh, the opposites game. Tariq Cohen, who's tiny, and Mike Glennon, who's huge, on the outside stretch play. And you figure, oh, Glennon's got those long arms, right? He should be able to get that ball into, into Cohen's body. And on some of those stretch plays, he looked like he was going to fall down. He His feet are slow enough that he can't get to the outside smoothly. So you got to think that Cohen's kind of waiting for him to get the ball. Trubisky, obviously a lot more athletic, would probably get that ball there, you know, cleaner and easier. I think that's a really underrated point. All right, what, what concerns do you think we should have of the offense's limitations? I mean – it feels like we're placing the brunt of the blame on Glennon, as it probably should be. But I don't think it's – I think it's maybe 70% on him and that there are other limitations and issues that they have. Um, obviously, the wide receivers aren't great, but a good quarterback makes those guys better. Um, the offensive line's health, they haven't been bad, but um, injuries are starting to perhaps take a toll. Uh, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, Glennon is obviously – well, he's the most obvious. He's the guy that, you know, touches the ball every play and the league. But it doesn't start or end there. Uh, the offensive line is a big deal. Injuries have taken a toll, but it's not just the injuries. It's all the switching that comes with that and then playing inexperienced players at different spots and really messing with that cohesion if you had any through the preseason. That's all gone. You're taking white hair and you're sliding him over. Grasso, who's still, you know, in terms of game experience, fairly young, comes in. That that kind of shift has a has a huge effect. Now they've played reasonably well given that much upheaval, um, but the wide receivers you can't get over that. I mean, the best wide receiver on the field for the Bears on Sunday was probably Josh Bellamy. Think about that. 
the guy that got you know almost more targets than anybody else was Josh Bellamy, a career special teamer who has drops issues. He's literally a third at best or fourth stringer, and he's really the number one now. That's that's pretty far down the tree. Yeah, we're normally not in Josh Bellamy and Deontay Thompson territory until like mid-November when the Bears are decimated. It doesn't happen in week two. So Yeah, so you've got to figure that that has, has a lot to do with play on timing and, and just talent overall. I mean, those guys aren't going to – Josh Bellamy is a, is a good athlete, but he's not going to separate against – you know, elite corners, that's not going to happen. So, and we haven't really come up against, I mean, the Falcons have a very good set of corners, but, um, you know, we're going to see that again throughout the season. And it's going to be, if it was bad against Tampa, it's going to be awful against teams that really play well. So yeah, I, I don't, I'm not looking forward to that. The, the receiver is, the receiver position is really bare. I was, we were kind of, I've been harping on this since camp and you kind of see the issues now. We were talking about it th- uh, this morning in the WCG chat. Uh, you kind of just touched on it too. I'm really concerned about how the Bears are using Cody Whitehair. I understand injuries right now are kind of forcing their hand and, and shifting him all over. Um, but you're, I think you're, he's still a developing player. I think you're kind of risking a lot there by having him move from guard to center. you and not letting him get comfortable in one spot. If he's one of your core guys, if he's going to be one of the anchors on your offensive line, um, you you just mentioned the reason you're kind of, you're throwing off his timing. You're throwing off plays. You see it noticeable how he's played. He's had some penalties. He's had some bad snaps when he's been at center. Um, I mean, it's been a concern. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you. Whitehair, certainly one of my favorite players from last year, a guy I profiled, the guy I was really thrilled when the Bears drafted. Um, everybody projected him at guard. He went through camp at guard and then last minute switched to center and everybody panics. And, of course, they left him at center all year and he had a great year. But now, like you said, it looks very much like the pattern with with Long. You know, you take it's Long and he, he has a great – Great year of guard, you switch him to tackle. He's a tackle, he bombs out of tackle, you move him back to guard, and now we switch him to the other guard, which if you talk to offensive linemen, if you listen to people like uh, LaCharles Bentley, who runs you know online performance, he says the switch from left to right is bigger than the switch from guard to tackle. And, yeah, that, that's got to have an effect. So I don't know that they have a lot of choices. The line's been really crushed. I mean, Long's not healthy. Now Sitton's injured. Um, you know, you've been through – some tackle play Leno and Massey have been pretty solid, but you know, you lost Cush who was expected to start and there's been a lot of shifting on that inside and it absolutely has to have an effect. Let's move over to the defense. Um, something I've been concerned about because the front seven is supposed to be the strength of the bears defense, right? And the pass rush to me, I'd say so. what was that? I'd say so. Yeah, yeah I'd say so. But and it's kind of been concerning that the, the pass rush hasn't been as dominant as we would originally think. I mean, Akeem Hicks had a dominant game against individually against Atlanta, but not really anyone else showed up. Leonard Floyd was Leonard Floyd in particular. He was a ghost against Atlanta, even though I think the game plan was more tailored to him dropping back. But then sure. against a mediocre Tampa offensive line, or I mean, in comparison to Ryan Schrader and Jake Matthews. He still didn't do anything. He still didn't really start piling up anything until until the third quarter. The first impact play he made all season was a fumble recovery off of Pernell McPhee's punch out. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, what? Why haven't they been able? Why haven't they been able to get going, EJ? Well, I I think it's an issue of the entire front seven. It's a lot like the offensive line in some ways. They've been crushed at the middle, 
And the middle is a middle linebacking core. I mean, you had Trevathan, who is obviously not himself. He came back really quickly from a devastating injury, and everybody says that injury takes at least a year and a half to regain power and speed. He's out there. He picks up a couple kind of holding calls. Looks like maybe he's trying to compensate. Uh, Freeman goes out very quickly. Everybody gets a little bit excited that, you know, Kwiatkowski is going to come in and, uh, you know, he's a promising young player and he goes out and he might be out for the year. So again, you're sort of losing guards and centers in the middle of that seven and other guys are going to try and compensate. The other thing is who's opposite Floyd on the outside for yeah. linebacking core. I think the front three have actually played pretty well. I think Goldman is back. He's playing pretty well. He looks healthy. Um, you know, Akeem Hicks, like you said, has looked like his regular self. He's, you know, he's getting some good push. Uh, we haven't really seen anything from Bullard at the other end. Uh, Roy Robertson Harris has had a couple of flashes. His first game was really good. So the front three have kind of been doing their job, but the back four, you know, Acho played pretty solidly, but I think that's what Acho is going to do. He's not going to, he's not going to light anything up. He's going to do his job and plug his gaps. But, you know, I think everybody's trying to do a little bit too much. This is, this is where you and I kind of have that debate about outside linebacker and receiver for next year's draft already in September, because, yeah, I see how how ineffective Floyd is without a guy to compliment him. I see how teams are yep. able to double team him and chip him because they don't really they don't have to worry about a thirty two year old Willie Young that's kind of working on his last legs. At least that's what it seems like. They don't have to worry about Acho like you just mentioned. They don't have to worry about yep. Pernell McPhee playing who got who's, who's playing maybe maybe half the snaps of the game. I think he played twenty three on Sunday. I think the snap count was. Yeah. Um. I mean, Floyd's a great. Everyone knows I love Floyd, but. Like any dominant edge rusher, he can't do it by himself. He, there, there has to be some kind of attention. He, he's not at that. Kind, he's not at that kind of level yet where he can just take over the game. At, at least that's what it seems like. I, I thought he would be, um, but it's clear he needs some kind of complementary piece next to him still. Uh, maybe, yeah, very, I, I think I think in some time he will be. Yeah, there's very few guys in the NFL that can do that. I mean, Khalil Mack is a guy that can do that. It doesn't matter where you put him. It doesn't matter who's around him. He's going to be a wrecking ball. He's been a wrecking ball in three different spots for the Oakland defense. Um, there's very few guys at that level, so I think it's a little, it's a little unfair to Floyd yeah. to say he's he's going to be there. But he's got Hicks, so you've got two, but you need three. It's that Richard Dent rule of three. You need a really, you need a third option who consistently generates pressure out of that front seven. And the other thing is they don't have to worry about inside blitz anymore because with Freeman and Kukowski out, they were trying out guys who are you know. They're trying out, you know, two-year-old linebackers from ASU. Um, yeah. There's not a threat in the middle that you're going to be able to – again, uh, the first game plan you mentioned, like Floyd was in coverage a lot, and that worked really well. His coverage was amazing, but that means you've got to bring somebody else. And if you're on your last legs in the middle with third and fourth string guys that you got off the street two weeks ago, nobody's game planning for that, you know? So frustrating. It's so frustrating. <laughs> Yes, yes, it is. Welcome, welcome to Bears fandom of late. Um, Laurie, let's talk about Tariq Cohen. Uh, fun fact: he is second in the NFL in receptions, tied with Antonio Brown. I think I looked at it last. It was either might have been a tight end, might have been Jason Witten, number one. I looked at it yesterday. I tweeted this yesterday. Um, yep. I think he has almost forty touches through two games. Uh, this will be an easy answer. Are the Bears overusing Cohen? Yes. <laughs> He's not that big. He's really tough. He's incredibly well-built, but he's not that big. And, you know, the NFL is a mass game. He's going up against 300-pounders. And the other thing is he's getting hammered. Mm -hmm. Like, he's Mm -hmm. not one of those guys that sheds contact really well. I mean, he's he's slippery, and he can can break tackles. But when he gets hit, 
he's not one of those guys that kind of slithers down and, and just gets touched. He's getting pounded, and that can't continue. I don't care how tough he is and how fresh he is. If he's got that number of touches and he's taking that caliber of touches, he's going to break. I think this is part of the thing where a 5'6", 180-pound running back is simultaneously your best receiver and with Jordan Howard's shoulder injury, simultaneously your best running back. So it's almost as if they have no choice. Um, but, I mean, he's going to break down at this rate, absolutely. Like you just mentioned, like he, he he was getting nailed, particularly in the Falcons game. And then on, I, and then on Sunday against Tampa Bay, he's just getting the check down, moving horizontally, not vertically. Those guys can just tee up on him. Yeah, and they did. And that was the thing. I was kind of hoping that, you know, the – the Falcons game was a, you know, welcome to the NFL rookie moment and it would sort of ease up after that. But if anything, it stayed the same and that's, that's not sustainable. He's a change of pace back. He, he this, this, I just, I feel like they're already, they're, they're already wasting one of their bright talents from this draft. I, I wasn't a huge fan of the pick back in April. I know sure. you weren't, but yeah. he's clearly a good player and they're overextending that. They're overextending that. Yeah, I think they need I think they need more creativity and I'm I'm not sure that that they can that their brains are adapting fast enough to the fact that yeah, your wide receivers are getting whacked as fast as you stand them up. Um but they've got four tight ends and some of those guys, at least two or three of those guys have some real athleticism like split out wide athleticism. Daniel Brown can do it, Miller can do it, and obviously Shaheen can do it probably better than he can do the inline thing. And Sims is sneaky. Lester's been a big fan of, of Sims for a while. So you got to use those guys. Um, you've got Taquan Mazel, who's on the team. Or uh, is he practice squad or is he 53 now? I think he's 53. If he's 53, you can use that guy as a receiver. He had over 120 catches his last two years at UVA. And he's like 5'10", 180. He's, you know, that's wide receiver size. It's not great lead back size, but you can split that guy out. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. He's got a proven ability to catch the ball, but you got to spread it around. You can't throw it. I think we both agree. You can't throw it 15 times to Josh Bellamy a game. That's you're not going to win. And you can't, you know, you can't have 25, 30 touches a game for a guy who's five, six. That's just, that's not going to happen. So you've got to, you've got to get creative with some of those weapons. You got to run some inside seams to the, you got to run some fly routes to the tight end. You got to do things that people don't expect. Because if you just line up Cohen and slam him, yeah, he won't be there in three or four weeks. That's the thing that's kind of perplexing to me because if anything, you would think that Glennon would be able to hit guys over the middle. What he struggles on, given his arm strength, as you kind of saw in that Balmy pick six, is hitting guys hitting guys that are on the boundary. Yeah. I mean, slot receivers, tight ends, you would, you would think the Bears would be able to adjust to that too considering that's how their roster is built. That's how the yeah. roster was built, even when Meredith and Kevin White were healthy. Cam Meredith, so um, it's it's, it's, it's it's almost as if they're in slow motion. Yeah, it's like they're not acknowledging that those guys are gone. Like things have changed. Like you know that Howard is dinged up, and you know your top really three receivers have been out. If you're counting Wheaton with a finger, he hasn't had time. He's going to need to come back. Kendall Wright should be getting you know a lot more targets. He's by far the most experienced pass catcher on the team, which is a a little bit of a scary thought, but it's true. And you got to get, you know, I'd say kind of no more than five or six touches for a guy in a game and spread that around to everybody you've got and see what sticks. Throw it at the wall at this point. Why not? Yeah. Um, let's talk about now. Let's move over to um, Jerry Rice 
or the new Jerry Rice, that is. Uh, <laughs> Hall of Fame receiver, according to many Bears fans. Uh, Ryan Pace should probably be fired for, for releasing him today, uh, 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 also according to those sources. Uh, Tanner Gentry was, elite, was released, and then we also had um, curious uh, no-injured uh, no reserve announcement for Nick Kwiatkowski. So your thoughts on that, EJ? So um, I think there's. They said that they're still ex- uh, still assessing Kwiatkowski, and really, honestly, I mean, let's just get this out there. Anything the Bears say about injuries, I'm going to mm-hmm. trust about as far as I can throw a 50 gallon drum full of oil. It's it's it tough times that we're just going to kind of have to wait and see. I think he's probably really hurt, uh, mostly because they brought a bunch of linebackers in for tryout today, um, and possibly yesterday. Uh, that's probably the biggest indicator. They're just kind of waiting to play that card. But I think, unfortunately for Nick, that the card they're going to play is he's going to be out. I think he's really hurt, which is terribly unfortunate. I was really looking forward to what he could do, and he played some good football last year too. Um, as far as Gentry goes, I think he probably easily gets back onto the practice squad at this point. People have had the chance for the waiver wire to pick other people up. He showed some flashes, both good and bad. I mean, a personal foul penalty, uh, and then he, you know, he had a couple catches that looked pretty good that weren't terribly surprising, but you know, at some point he probably makes it back on the 53 when another guy gets dinged. Um, it's probably not the end of the world for Gentry. Um, the Kwiatkowski thing's more concerning, quite frankly, because all they've got in the middle right now is Jonathan Anderson who plays, you know, above his weight, I think, but yeah. that's, you know, not great. And a guy with Trevathan who is clearly not 100%. And that's it. If either one of those guys goes down, you, you know, you're looking at a practice squad guy the next week again. And that's, that's not great. So that's, that's probably the bigger, the bigger problem for me, I guess. It feels like only the bears could have Jarrell Freeman go out with a pec injury and then have his right young replacement go out with the exact same injury. It it just feels like typical bears really. So Injuries are really concerning with the Bears. They, you know, you can say um, star-crossed, you can say unlucky, you can say a lot of things, but after a while, it's a pattern. Like the soft tissue injuries on this team are, I, I you know, I'd love to turn um, Josh Sunderbrush, who's our our sort of numbers guy on WCG, loose on it and see how much above average it really is. If it is above average, it feels like it's way above average. And, it feels like it's yeah, been some of that bad luck, but. It, yeah, it just keeps coming, right? It just keeps happening. And maybe it's exacerbated because the Bears like, – because other teams like, say, the Patriots and Packers and Ravens, I mean, they're always kind of going through the same thing. It's not as, it's not as bad as, 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 say, the Bears, the problems the Bears are joining, but they're winning or they're in the playoffs, so, so fans kind of forget <laughs> about it, you know? So when the Bears sure. lose a player – and they're all in three. It's it's just everything's spiraling downward. Everything's just like just stacking on top of each other. Yeah, well, you've lost. I mean, you've lost a lot of high profile talent. I mean, if you if Long yeah. isn't playing and Sitton's out, and Freeman, who was definitely their highest profile defender last year, was out, um, and you know the receiver core is just gone. You're you know it's just gone. Um, it's gonna feel that way. Uh, and you know Howard is playing hurt. I think maybe more so than, you know, some people would realize. Um, that's that's a lot of star power. It's your starting running back, your two starting guards, your two starting wide receivers, your basically your two starting inside linebackers. Like, We're that's two weeks in. Week. We're two weeks in. Dude. Yeah, I, I mean, that's <laughs> – for for week two, that's a lot of twos. 
Oh, man. Don't worry, though, guys. The, the, the future Hall of Fame, Fred Boletnikoff type, Tanner Gentry, he'll be back. He'll save us. He'll save us. Don't worry. He'll be back eventually. <laughs> um, all right. So th- I know this might be tough. Let's kind of just like play back and forth on here. Let's talk about some actual positives on either oh, yeah. side of the ball for the Bears. Literally anything you can think of, shoot it out there, and then I'll say something after you say something. Well, I, I, think, I think a couple things are getting lost because there's a lot of gloom and doom, and, of course, there's over everything there's, you know, Glennon and Trubisky. And then, mm-hmm. you know, sort of Fox and how he's linked to that. And that's that's obviously going to dominate because that's the highest profile part of the team. But sort of quietly, there's a guy playing really good defensive football right now who people were, including me, were predicting wasn't going to be on the team this year. Kyle Fuller is playing at an NFL cornerback level. And I thought he was doomed after last year's sort of crazy, vague fallout and call out by Vic Fangio in the press and – you know, being out all year with a sort of mystery, seemingly small injury. And it, it just really looked like he'd fallen out of favor and was going to go. There was trade talks. There was cut talks. And here he is two weeks in, pretty much the number one corner because Amukamara's hurt, which is no surprise. You know, and you've got a guy out there matching up pretty well. Is he, you know, top 20 corners in the NFL? No, but is he playing solid football right now? Like he is, and that's a complete surprise. And it's basically a bonus. Yeah, I mean, if if you could, for them to give up on a former first round pick would have been premature. I was never in favor of just trading him or giving him away. That's an they were too thin on the back end to really do that to really give up an asset like that. Um, and I thought he was, I thought he was decent in the preseason. I thought he had a good camp. So this is kind of just translating mm-hmm. in essence. Um, but people were still ragging on it, and uh, this has been a pleasant surprise. I'll agree. I was going to know. I mean, I'm trying to think of like an offensive positive. I think Kendall Wright. <laughs> I think Kendall Wright. I mean, played, maybe. Maybe. I mean, I, I, you know, I can't think of anything stronger on offense, that's for sure. Yeah, he's he's not a number one receiver, but he's been a slot, solid slot type. He, he came through a little bit at, at the end against Atlanta, even if it wasn't garbage time. He was making some plays against the Buccaneers. He's probably the one guy they can rely on as a receiver, and he's not – really disappointing them 103 yards 10 receptions through two games that's kind of what you'd expect that's kind of what you expect production wise um even if the Bears had a full complement of of wideouts and and talent to go to um I think you're kind of getting what you pay for with him I, I wish they would use him more to be honest I wish they would find ways to to scheme him open more often and, and, and get, get him the ball in space because he I feel I feel like he's better than than he showed out so far but um yeah I mean I see his role growing and especially with where they're at right now, I mean, how can it not? I mean, who are you, who are you going to throw it to more? Like, th- there's nobody there. I mean, he's the clear number one, which is a, is a weird space for him to be in. But, I mean, it's, it's by attrition. But th- there's nobody arguing right now that Kendall Wright's the best receiver on the Bears. Um, I mean, except for the Gentry Loyalists. And, hey, you know, shout out to the Gentry Loyalists. You guys are, you um, guys are, you guys are the real deal. But uh, the other one would be Demps. Everybody jumps on Ryan Pace's free agent acquisitions, and for the ones that don't work, he's he's actually brought folks like Hicks who do work on board. But, you know, Demps, I think, has been as advertised. Like, aside from nobody thought Demps was going to be a world beater. Aside from Hooper play. But he's he's playing solid yeah. football. He's like Fuller. And, and solid in this secondary is a huge improvement, right? Respectability, really, yeah, if we're going to be honest. Aside, aside from any of the past – really what three or four years yeah i'd say three or four yep. years 
it's nice to see. You, you, you'd like to see them make more plays in the ball, have more turnovers. I don't think they don't really have – they only have one turnover for us through two games. Um, yeah. But competence – Competence is a level up. The competence you'll accept for now, especially on a rebuilding team. Um, yeah, and, and the potential. I think Jackson's there. He's the guy that's going to get his hands on the ball. Eddie Jackson is, ah. you know, he's playing and learning. He had a bunch of tackles. He's playing the run better than people said he could. Um, I didn't really have an issue with that, but a lot of people did. Uh, and as he gets more comfortable back there, he's he's going to get his hands on some balls. He's got cornerback skills. So, you know, that's that's going to happen. Again, he's a week two rookie. We're not going to see it right away. But with Demps next to him and Fuller on one side, there's a chance that that comes sooner rather than later. So I guess that's a that's a plus two. Yeah, you just mentioned that Jackson had eight solo tackles against the Buccaneers. I thought he actually had a really, really good game in run support. That was one of his, the knocks on him coming out, um, whether he could tackle well. And I thought I – thought, I thought I think he's he made a noticeable jump from one week to – from week one to week two. Uh, so that's a positive. Uh, really looking forward to seeing how he grows. Um, we kind of touched on some of the stuff with Jeff, but let's get our quick thoughts. How can the Bears pull the upset on the Steelers, EJ? How realistically this, this they're going up against a team that will be in a contention for the Super Bowl this year uh, while Mike Glenn is under center and you have all those offensive limitations. How can the Bears pull this upset? Well, they're going to need some luck. Uh, they're going to have to play a, a near-perfect game. I think we probably would admit that. I think the Steelers are probably better on both sides of the ball um, uh, than the Bears are. So that's always a tough always a tough matchup, whether you're playing it at home or not. Um, but uh, we touched on it with Jeff. Some of the keys are, you know, attack that left tackle position. Villanueva's played very solid, but last week he was really rough. He got pulled for their swing tackle, which is, you know, not par for the course with your brand-new contracted left tackle. Um, if they can get through and, and put pressure on that left tackle and make some opportunities, they need to hit Ben. And we all know that Ben, when he gets hit, responds really well. He's a warrior. He's a tough guy, but he's getting older. The hits are, again, fluky injuries. The hits are piling up. And if they can if they can ding him a little bit, and again, sell out to stop the run, like you said, is probably key because if Bell beats you, it's over. Um, but if you can get been reduced or throwing more quickly than he wants to when they can't get those vertical routes and really take chunk yardage, you've got a fighting chance. And we saw it against a team like Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta can get vertical routes, right? Well, we were with Atlanta throughout the entire game. So it's possible. It's not terrible likely, but they're going to need a really good performance. Floyd's going to have to step up. He's going to have to bring some pressure. This will have it's, to be his breakout game. This will have to be the game where he finally gets yeah, the Yeah, if he has that game, if he has that game that I know would just – make you glow like the sun if he has that you know three sack two tackle strip game you know that big oh, game stop. i'm already i'm already i'm already like working about getting i know you're just jazz handing giddy uh no if he has that kind of if he has some impact say he gets two good sacks or he gets a good sack early and really puts a shot on roethlisberger um you know right in the first quarter blows by the left tackle and and gets that shot early like that that's a, you know, maybe knocks the ball loose. That's a game turning, game turning type of play. They they have to get the fumble. They have to do something with it, but that's what it's going to take. I don't think they can just go straight toe to toe with the Steelers and say, you know, put your best on our best and we're going to win. That's, that's not going to be this way that they get a W out of yeah, this. Yeah, this isn't an elite matchup of two elite teams. Uh, it'll, it'll no, have to be no it's not, not two heavyweights slugging it no, out. No, 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 not at all. Um, I almost feel bad because after the Falcons win in week one was um, just before, before, just setting the table before we get to picks. So the Falcons week one was the first time they've won in Chicago, I think in over 38 years. 
and now yeah. uh, likely Pittsburgh will get its first win in Chicago in over 22 years. So uh, these Bears setting new records of futility, right. individual Not the futility. Kind you want to see, but definitely setting new records. Oh man! Ugh. All right, so we'll, let's let's do the picks, and we'll finish off with our official. Um, I mean, it's it's going to be obvious who we're going to pick at Barry Steelers, but we'll finish with, off with that. Uh, with the way I've done this with Andrew and Lester so far is we just alternate. So I will do the first. I will read off the games, and we'll just alternate. Yeah. So Thursday night football, I'll take this one. Rams at 49ers. Uh, the NFC NFC West has been kind of bad this year. We can say that, right? The Seahawks are underwhelming. Um, so it's kind of, to me, it looks wide open and I've liked how the Rams have looked so far. Um, 49ers, I think are a little underrated as well, but I'm going to pick the Rams. I think Jared Goff is, uh, stabilizing a little bit under Sean McVay and that team gets a two and one, uh, next game Ravens at Jaguars, EJ, take it away. Um, closer game than it has been in years past. That's for sure. But I think I'm going to go with Ravens. I haven't seen the Jaguars put together offense yet. Their defense has been playing really well racking up a bunch of sacks and playing aggressively, which is pretty cool. So tighter game, uh, but I think Ravens probably take it still. Browns at Colts next, maybe two of the bottom, two of the five worst teams in the NFL realistically, especially with no Andrew Luck in Indianapolis. Um, I want to pick the Browns, <laughs> but seeing how the Colts play, played against the Cardinals with Jacoby Brissett, I think Jacoby Brissett was the starter, right? Uh, yeah, um, yeah, he was. I mean, this will be like one of those 13 to 10 games where we're just like the less worst team wins. So I'm going to go Colts giants at Eagles. Oh, uh, gotta be Eagles. Uh, Carson Wentz has played a couple of underrated, decent games. I'm not a huge Wentz fan, but he is playing mm-hmm. at least solidly. And if you watched any of the game last night, uh, the giants have, uh, let's, let's understate this a little bit, a small problem on the offensive line. A little bit, a um, little bit. Yeah, Eric Flowers is a turnstile. He uh, he earned Ziggy Ansa a big contract extension last night. So <laughs> I don't see the Giants winning on the road against the Eagles. I'll call Eagles. Dolphins at Jets. Jay Cutler and Miami looking to go two and zero, and I think they do. Jets also one of the um, bottom five teams in football. I think the Dolphins probably are on their way to a playoff berth this season, provided everyone can stay healthy. I, I really liked how they looked against the Chargers last week. Broncos at Bills. Ooh, uh, Broncos. Bills don't have their house in order yet. The, the game is in <laughs> Orchard Park, but uh, Broncos bring too much on defense and probably just enough on offense. Uh, be interested to see how the Bills... Simeon, huh? uh, eh. <laughs> you no, know, if, no. if you twist my arm behind my back, I might take them above Glennon. What's that tell you? Well, that's, uh, that's not really saying much. That's no, not really saying much. Not a high bar. Uh, Bills defense has been playing better than um, – I, I follow the Bills because my, my entire family, dad's side of the family is in Buffalo, so I, I pay attention. Their defense has been making some plays. Some of the younger players in the secondary have been playing really well. Tredavious White is a guy that I was pretty high on. He's been making some great plays, which doesn't really surprise me, but I, I just don't think they have enough to overcome the Broncos. Saints and Panthers uh, – Fun fact, the Saints are on pace to allow 8,000 yards on defense this year if you extracted a two-game sample size. Uh, oh. That probably won't, won't be sustained throughout, but that just gives you a, 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 an example of how bad they've been. Um, but it's not exactly, it's not a, let's not say that the Panthers have been letting it up on offense either. I, however, do think they're the better team. I do think that they're still working through some issues. 
and the Saints are that perfect team to, to do just that. So Panthers win at home. Uh, skipping over, Falcons at Lions. Matchup of two 2-0 NFC teams. A little bit of a yeah, game. Yeah, really. Surprisingly, a much better game than people would have thought just maybe a year or two ago. Um, Lions are looking for real. Um, Falcons rebounded in emphatic fashion for week two after a sort of lackluster performance against the Bears. Um, yeah, I'd call this one even. Uh, Lions playing at home, but I think the Falcons' defense is probably better than the Lions' defense. Um, both the offense is really good. Big B's is out for a month, though, I, I believe. Just yeah, that hurts them, but he's he's not everything. So, And the Lions, well, I don't know. Lions played really well, but, again, they were playing against uh, a line in New York that, that was, uh, let's just say, not NFL caliber. So <laughs> I think it's going to be a tight game. I think it's going to be high scoring. I don't think you put Matt Ryan and Matt Stafford in the same building and expect, you know, sub 50 points. Um so it, I think it's kind of uh, the the flip side mirror or the flip side coin game from Browns Colts. Uh, lots of lots of scoring, and maybe the last team with their hands on the ball wins. Uh, I'll say Falcons. Okay, Buccaneers at Vikings. Uh, I think this will probably be an easy one because normally this would be a better game, but I'm we're not sure on the status of Sam Bradford. He didn't. I don't think he played last week against the Steelers. Correct. No, he did not, hey, that's and kind of I wish I'd known that before filling out my pick'em. Uh, yeah, no, his uh, bone bruise is the official designation for him. Um, Zimmer made an offhanded comment that it might be two weeks or six, and then later said he was being facetious. So uh, it's probably he comes back sooner than later, but he almost certainly doesn't play this week. So, yeah, that skews that game pretty hard. Yeah, that skews that game pretty hard. Buccaneers abuse uh, Mike Lennon, and they'll abuse whoever's under center for Minnesota, so they'll take that game. Uh, Texans at Patriots. Deshaun Watson, his second road start against Big Bill Belichick. Uh, yeah, Pats. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll take the money on Pats. If if the Texans win that, it's their probably their biggest win in franchise history. Win that in Foxborough. That's probably their one of their biggest wins ever. Yeah, I'm considered. I mean, they're only like what 15 years old, so. They've had yeah. some wild card playoff wins, but I'm not really going to count them over Andy Dalton and the Bengals. That's, that's not- uh, yeah, I was going to say beating Belichick in, you know, in Foxborough, uh, I'd take that as a – that would be a franchise win for sure. Seahawks at Titans. Uh, I think this is an easy one because I'm really concerned about Seattle's offensive line. I think it's finally <laughs> – You and everybody else. Well, everybody else, yeah, obviously. But it, it, it seems like it's worse this year, and it seems like they can't really get anything done. And it seems like Russell Wilson – has regressed to the point where even when he doesn't have pressure on the rare occasion, he's his mechanics. He, he's just he's scrambling anyway, or he'll or he'll 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 draw out a play anyway, um, and kind of capitulate everything. Uh, I'm not. I wasn't as big of a person, like as hyped up on Tennessee as everybody else was in the off season, but I do still think they're they're a good team. I do still think they're the best team in the AFC South. And I think they'll rough up Wilson a little bit this week, especially at home. So Tennessee goes to two and one. Uh, Interesting. Bengals at Packers. Uh, Fun hmm. fact: Aaron Rodgers has never beaten the Bengals. Interesting. Well, and they're playing at Lambeau. Um, uh, Bengals are a team in crisis right now at the quarterback position. Uh, you know, there've been calls for Dalton's job. I don't think that's, you know, the right call necessarily, but he has, he clearly does not look like the same guy. He looks like he's hearing footsteps. Uh, 
he's pulling throws that he should be letting go and, and vice versa. Um, I don't know that they march into Lambeau looking like that. Um, been a lot of frustration coming out of that locker room. AJ Green, who is a, a historically quiet wide receiver, um, spoke out, uh, you know, and anytime he speaks, it's, it's kind of loudly cause he almost never says anything. And, and if a lot of people said, look, if green's talking, there's some, there's some serious rift going on there. So I don't think the Bengals house is in order. I, I'm no great Packers fan and, and picking them pains me greatly. Uh, but I think Rogers takes care of business at home. Chiefs at Chargers. Uh, Chiefs early on looking like a top two NFL team, top three, especially after their beatdown of the Patriots on opening night, uh, coming through with an, another big win against the Eagles. Um, I think this is a better game than most people will give credit for. I think Chargers, even while being 0-2, I mean, th- that's not an 0 and that's not, that's not really a, normally a last-place roster. That They have a lot of pieces in place on both sides of the ball. I really like that team. Um, but I – this is tough because I think the chiefs are overall better. Hold on. Hold on. Let me, let me, let me, let me just state. Um, (laughs) I think you're right. It's a closer game than people are going to give it credit for because the Chargers' defense is, is top flight. Yeah. Joey Bosa and Malvin Ingram might be the best pass rushing duo, like edge duo in the league or one of them. Yeah, I, I made that point to somebody a couple nights ago. I said, you know, if you're really looking at it and you're just lining up those two, I'd take those guys over almost any other pair out there. And the Chiefs have had some offensive line issues relatively, at least based off the sentiments I've seen from uh, Joel Foreman who runs their head pride. Um, yeah, I'll go Chargers here. I think they get off the Schneider. I, don't, I, th- I think that team's too talented. I know it's classic char- – It'll be classic Chargers. They'll probably take it down to the wire and lose it on a last second, like blocked field goal or something, or a Philip Rivers pick. But that team is too talented to go in three, and they do have a little bit of a rivalry with the Chiefs. So the Chargers will get out the schneid at home at uh, L.A. I guess as much. Yeah, that's that's odd. With, with their fan, with their roll off the tongue, does it? With their fan support, yeah. Sunday night football: Raiders and Redskins. Take it away. Uh, Raiders, even on the road, uh, just. Clearly more talented than the Redskins. I don't want to say in all phases, but they're looking uh, they're looking charged up. Marshawn Lynch is still healthy. It's early in the season. He's running extremely hard, and that's taking pressure off Carr. Um, Carr's got some weapons in the passing game that are coming together. I think they're actually even a little bit underrated. Uh, everybody knows Cooper, but uh, his other targets out there are more talented than people outside that market let on. I think I think Raiders take this one. And then Monday Night Football, Cowboys at Cardinals. Um, I feel like the Cardinals are probably well on their way to drafting the quarterback and next April's draft based off how Carson Palmer's look and how that offense has looked. Um, Cowboys were beaten down a little bit by the Broncos, but the Broncos have had the right mix on both sides. Uh, and they're the better team. I would expect this to not necessarily be a blowout, but where the Cowboys comfortably win and, t- and take it. I-, I think I think they're better than what you, what you saw in Denver. Um and that's they're still one of the like the better teams in the NFC. They're still a contender there. Uh, okay, so let's finish this up. We'll get both of our picks here. Give you reasoning why. Give you your score. Uh, Steelers at Bears. EJ, are you, I, I, I already know what you're going to say. Um, your pick, but um, yeah, I, I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's tough. It's tough to it's tough to just talk about. It's just depressing. <laughs> it, 
it it's not there's not a lot of hope there. There would be a lot more hope if it was Trubisky, even if it was, you know, it's sort of more a wild swing. Could be great, could be terrible, but at least it would be something. Uh with Glennon, I think the best you'd get or best you'd hope for would be solid play. And we haven't really seen any evidence of that. So it's gonna be tough to score points on that defense. The defense I think it's one of the more underrated points about Pittsburgh that Jeff made is that defense has morphed. It is not anymore a hulking unit that just beats you down. It is a fast athletic unit, especially a linebacker. And that's really changed for them and they've changed with the game as it's morphed. So um, I, I don't think the bears short of getting lucky or an immense letdown by Pittsburgh win. So I'm going to call Pittsburgh the winners uh, picking up that first victory in a long time in Chicago. Um, don't know that it will be by a ton because I do think a lot of the Steelers are probably looking past the bears as they'd be want to do. Cause they've got their rivalry game with the Ravens next week. Um, but I don't think that's going to be enough to get them over the top. So I'll go Steelers. Boy, if that offense doesn't put up 27, I'd be surprised bears, maybe 17 in garbage time. Yeah. I see no reason to pick the bears as long as Glenn is a starter. I see no reason to ever Pick, picking them to score more than 17 points or more than 19 points, whatever else, or really eclipse 20. Um, you just mentioned it. A fast athletic defense is probably the worst possible matchup for Mike Lennon. They probably will abuse him in the same fashion that uh, Tampa Bay did. Um, but I, like Jeff kind of noted, I think the Bears keep it close. I think, uh, I think Floyd finally has a little bit of a breakout. I think the defense um, muscles that him in, but eventually – there's that Glennon turnover. Eventually, there's a there's like there's a breakdown by the defense because the defense can't play a perfect game against a team with so many game breakers, and the Steelers pull away late. I'm gonna go Steelers. I'm gonna go Steelers 29, Bears 16. Uh, and, and it's just it's just, it, the microcosm. <laughs> yeah, it's like we, we, I I sounded I, I I wanted to amp up a little bit, but I sounded so sad finishing that off. Yeah, you definitely sound like you're headed to a funeral and then a bar. Uh, I really should. I really should. All right, that just about wraps up this episode of WCG Radio, everybody. Uh, EJ, thanks for hopping on, man. Hey, really thanks for having it. me. It's, uh, it's a great time. Uh, anytime you want me back, I'll do it. You can follow EJ at the Draftsman FB, EJ Schneider on Twitter. He's our resident draft Nick, draft expert for Windy City Gridiron. Uh, always offering great takes, Rick's analysis. You kind of saw that exa- example of that tonight. Um, just noting Steelers that Steelers to Jeff Hartman that he probably wasn't even considering thinking about. Um, that's the kind of analysis. That's the kind of depth that EJ brings. So um, really worthwhile. Really good follow. Really good. Uh, really good work he does for us over at WCG. And you can follow me on Twitter at Robert Zaglinski. You can follow our site Twitter at WC Gridiron and just follow up on all of our work over at the site. We're trying, we're going to try to get you through this guys. We're going to try to, we're, we're that shoulder to cry and to lean on. Trust me. Uh, it'll be okay. Eventually, eventually this, this long national nightmare will be over. I don't want to hyperbolize it, but I might as well put it that way. Uh, have a good night, everybody. Stay classy. Okay, Kevin, for the grand prize of $1 million, what color is the White House? Um, I know this, I know this, I know this, um... Five seconds. Oh, switching to GEICO could save you a bunch of money on car insurance? Okay, judges... 
That's true, Kevin. They'll allow it. Congratulations. You're a winner. Woo! Geico, because saving 15% or more on car insurance is always a great answer. At Boar's Head, we place a premium on authenticity. And the home-roasted flavor of our ever-roast chicken is no exception. Inspired by a medley of ingredients from the garden, a family recipe, and slow-roasted craft. It's the authentic taste of home and the unmatched quality of Boar's Head. Ever-roast chicken, sliced fresh at the deli, only from Boar's Head. Compromise elsewhere. There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white, so go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 18 Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Oh, what a great audience. Let's dim the lights for this next one. Oh, too much. Ah, there it is. Gotta get things just right. Like Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay and we help you find coverage options that fit your budget. And now, the mood is right. Wait, the lights are back on again. Trudy, can you? And now it's completely dark. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.